It's a love song. Uber, keep me in your back pocket. Cause I wanna feel your ass, feel your ass. Wanna feel your ass, feel your ass. Ass, wanna feel your ass. I'm a cheek girl. Welcome to the Braggish Podcast. That banger you are listening to right now is from Sax Kicks Av Cheeks. We'll let you listen to a little bit, a little bit more. Ooh. From the moment that you brought me home, we already knew what was going on. Yeah, paid a real good price. Put a case on it, it feels so nice. Close to you from the day to the night, your grip so tight, it feels so right. Yeah, yeah. Any more, we got to pay him more. Yes, yes. Ugh. I want to say thanks to Alfred Banks for allowing us to play this on the Brackish Podcast. Welcome. Today, we got a special edition of today's podcast. Uh, we are missing a glorious member. It's just Knock and Cliff with you today. Yeah. Lynn is not able to be with us. Yes. Uh, actually, the, the thing that's keeping everybody separated right now is the reason that she can't be here today. So uh, we give all our support to her family and anybody that might be going through this uh, disease right now. Uh, but we're here to tell you great stories about New Orleans and South Louisiana. And we're going to flip the script today. Yeah. And shh, don't tell anyone, but we're in person. <gasps> This Which, is this is not a Zoom call. This is not a Zoom, uh, but the restrictions are being lifted, so are we're allowed. Yeah, kind of. I think it's the same thing. Nothing's changing for me. So, right. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to us, thank you so much. Uh, we're bringing you the three-story uh, realm again. Uh, all the stories where I'm going to tell Cliff knows nothing about, and when he tells me a story about some. Uh, crazy mansion yeah Ugh. you kind of know something about okay, it. okay <laughs> i do kind of know something about that one. i do kind of know but he he delved into it uh but i'm gonna tell you we got a we're dropping a bomb here today on the brackish podcast and we're calling some people out big directly bombs. you are fake news Ooh. fake you a fake news that's what we're gonna tell him. fake you fake you you're cool fake you i'm out that's what we're gonna do and then we're going to tell your haunted story. And then I'm going to tell everybody about the most hated person in New Orleans history. And it's not Mitch Landrew. It's not Latoya Cantrell. So it's not Cliff. a mayor. <laughs> it, it was someone who was kind of classified as a mayor. Okay. But we're going to get started in a little bit. But we're going to let you finish this up. Again, that was Cheeks by Sax Kicks Ave. Check yeah. them out. They're on uh, Spotify. Check them out. Friends of the show. Yeah. Friends of the show. Uh, we asked him if we could uh, put that on here, and he said, yeah, sure. You know, I would love for you to do that. Yeah. When, uh, when this whole thing, I know phase one is only 25%, but when they actually let these things go wide open, I'm sure they'll be doing some gigs around the city. So y'all should go check them out. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I saw Alfred Banks at the Maple Leaf singing yeah. one night, and I was so impressed by him. I, I had to walk up to this man and tell him how wonderful his energy and his spirit and his talent was. I mean, the guy, amazing job. Uh, he's got also uh, another song called Homecoming, 
uh, that's really good. You should check it out. Sounds good. Maple Leaf's Frenchman, right? Frenchman no, Street? Maple Leaf's on Oak. It is on Oak, right. Right. Jeez, get your streets I, I, right. Look, I've we been gotta isolated for eight weeks. I don't know where anything is anymore. I don't know what's coming back. You're I'm right. going to think something's there, and I'm going to go there, and it's just going to be boarded up. It's going to be a completely new deal. Right. You know they're going to have a lot of carpetbaggers coming in here. The money's going to be flowing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to see who comes back, who doesn't, and then does who go- it. Who gobbles it up? Yeah. Who gobbles it up, or do they move to a new location? Mm. Sydney, we're talking about you. Yeah. We're talking about you, Batman. <laughs> if you're listening to us. All right. Is wh- he the most hated in New Orleans? No, he is not. He is not the most hated. I would think that about 60% of New Orleanians like Sydney Torres. Yeah, he's cool. Probably the other 40 are like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a trash of, man. That's trash how I know him. Yeah. He's not trashy. He's a trash man. I know him as he had one company before. And now he's got IV Waste. I used to know him as a different name, and it was a really good nickname. They used to call him Trashanova. Oh, that's oh, new. Trashanova. Why, why does he not use that on his commercials? Oh, Trashanova. He should. He could get all those... Like those New Orleans bands, like yeah. uh, Chip Forstall does, and I saw Chip sweet. Forstall at Ro, uh, Robert's. He was wearing his mask, and I even recognized that bald uh, head. I, I thought you were going to say his second job as a funeral home director. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know you can't mistake that bald head anywhere, though. So it's beautiful. But the guy gives plugs to local musicians. He so does. You gotta give him no, that's why. Yeah, yeah, great job. Uh, I'm telling you a story today about. You probably heard of it, but I'm telling you why it's fake news. And guess what? People have been peddling this story around New Orleans for a long time. And I'm talking about you, you haunted ghost tour people. Ooh. In New Orleans, perpetrating this story. That kind of happened, but it didn't happen. You know about Madame... LaLaurie. Oh. So, Cliff, you know about her, right? What do you even know about her legend so far? So you can give me what has been and let people know what's been, you know, told about this lady and her story. It's very, very, very short amount of research. (laughs) But I believe, didn't she have some things in her basement? Like right, the legend says that she was torturing slaves yes, in her basement. That's it, right? Uh, and that they would hear groans and hear screams, uh, you know. And then when a fire happened, they came and found all the slaves tortured and bound up and you know emaciated. Uh, and she was able to flee. All right, but they had said that she killed slaves, had them like flayed open, cut off their heads and limbs. Whoa. And they also say that the house is now haunted from a young girl who jumped off of the third floor because she was afraid of being whipped by Madame Louis. I thought you were going to say that when you go on the ghost tour, that when you walk by the house at night, you can hear the screams of the slaves in the basement. That's what is perpetrated on the streets of New Orleans right now by some of these people. That are taking these stories, and uh, it's what happened with yellow journalism at the time when it happened, okay? So let's go back 
Madame Lalaurie. We're not saying she was a good person. She owned slaves. No. Uh, she, we know it for a fact that she chained one of the slaves up to the stove in the kitchen. So imagine this lady, right? This is her third marriage. She's now Madame Lurie, Lalaurie. She used to be uh, Madame Blanc and then another uh, Madame McCarthy. Oh, so she inherited that name. She married into Married it, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She changed it to Lalaurie. She Lallery. changed it to Lalaurie, right? So uh, the story goes, uh, this is what really happened, all right? And we're telling you that it really happened because we have the backing of the truth seekers. Old scrolls. Yes. We have old scrolls. He's reading. He actually just scrolled it out. We have, we've used lemon juice to preserve the papers. We are using facts from the League of American Pen Women. Oh. And this is a nonprofit organization. It's been around since, you know, the 1800s. And it I is, didn't know. It, yeah, <laughs> you should. <laughs> Uh, and the purpose of this is to recognize and promote the production of creative work, professional standard of art, letters and music through outreach, education, creativity, the core values of respect, knowledge, and creation, and preservation of the arts. Ooh. This is what they say about Madame Lalaurie. They say that she was a kind and lovely gentlewoman. And that her name has been besmirched by the stories perpetrated by, in yellow, with yellow journalism, through Uh-oh. yellow journalism. Uh-oh. So they say this is what happened. The day that the house was set on fire was the afternoon of April 10th, 1834. All right? And a cook set fire to the house, but... Madame was not in there. So it was a lady cook. So she was obviously fed up with the madam's yes attitude or whatever, what have you. Right. And then or tired of being chained to a stove. So she set the place on fire. Well, what if they had a special relationship? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> special relationship. You should never chain anybody out. You should never have slaves. First off, okay? chain me to the stove. No. They did not have a thing. We're going to host an erotic cooking class. All right. So neighbors saw the fire that was happening and they came and they rushed to the spot and they found the lady and they stopped the fire. Fire did not burn down the house. And they found the slave who was chained to the stove. So we know for a fact that a slave was chained, okay, to the stove. All the other stuff that was reported, the American pen women say that is false. She did not cut slaves heads off she did not cut the limbs off the slaves she didn't flay them she didn't torture them in her basement or anything like that madame larie and mr larie came home and what's been happening now is that everyone's hearing about what's happened at her house or their house and the papers picked up on it and the paper is saying that oh all these slaves were creatures and emaciated and it's this yellow journalism is like creating this fervor within the city of what's happened. But it really hadn't happened. It was just lies being perpetrated through the newspaper. To make things interesting. To make things interesting, sell some newspapers. April 15th, a mob of people go to the house and just wreck it up. 
just completely tear it apart. All right, disassemble it, start a fire in it. Uh, Madame Lorie and her husband were able to get out on a carriage. They, after then, went to, some say, the the Petit House? Petit House? Yeah, the Pito House, right here. The, some say they went to the Pito House. Yeah, right on Bayou St. John. Uh, for a, a little bit, and then went across the Lake Pontchartrain to Mandeville, and then to Paris. After that. That last part's a, quite a trek. It is quite a trek. See, it, it only... see. The, it sounds, this is great that these are facts. It just sounds a little sketchy. Every time there's a fire, they somehow escape. Yeah. It's like they have like, either they were involved in it, which I don't think, we haven't gotten to that, but mm-hmm. they, or they had like little escape shoots in their house. So they could escape out like I a would back. say, yeah, they probably had some little back door, back alley kind of things. God, I want a mansion sure. where I could do that. Yeah. Okay. And so this is from the American pen woman, we can say for a fact, and her name is Vera Bishop Conrick. And she wrote for the Louisiana pen women, a book called Louisiana Leaders. And uh, in the book, she talks about a gentleman named William Warrington. And if you knew anything about the LaLaurie Mansion, it's not called the LaLaurie Mansion. It is actually the Warrington House. Oh, this guy, William Warrington, um, he purchased the property house, you know, that they rebuilt after the fire and the ransacking of the Lollaries. Uh, remember, they were in Paris at this time. So his great grandfather rebuilt it. He bought it from his great grandfather. Then he used to have the school there to help boys that were in trouble and even some kids that were in trouble. But there was a time in between when this house was being used by Warrington as a school there was some legal litigation going on, so it had to be abandoned for a while. And during that abandonment is when Miss Vera says that criminals would hide out in the mansion and devise elaborate schemes to safeguard themselves. They rigged devices to create weird sounds and gave blood-curdling cries and moans while ghostly lights flickered in the window. Ooh. Rumors spread that LaLaurie Mansion was haunted by the spirits of slaves tortured to death by Madame LaLaurie in revenge for the slaying of her own mother during a slave uprising. That's how much it got out of control from 1834 to 1883. So 50 years go by and this story has spun out of control. Wow. Because criminals are living in there, making the lights flicker on and off so they can have it as a hideout. Yeah, and to scare say, people away? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, Vera went on to say, like I said at the beginning of this, a few kind words about Madame LaLaurie. Uh, she says this, quote, This Lord legend later used as a tourist attraction might have been a harmless joke played upon the credulous but for the fact that it besmirched the name and reputation of a kind and lovely gentlewoman, Madame LaLaurie. In everything I've read, and even on hauntedneworleanstours.com, when you go to the LaLaurie house, it says LaLaurie, the ghost stories are fake. They're not real. Bomb. Drop ed. It's for show. All of it. 
Fact check us. So you can take that to the bank. That's how we do it now. Fact yeah, check it. We're going to call you out. Yeah. You call us out, we call you out. You know who we're talking about. We'll play the song yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He said things like maybe eat an Oreo or. Yeah, that's that story, dude. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's also frightening because if you think about it, like, say we become prominent figures in the in Let's New Orleans. That. Let's say that. It's not going to happen. But say it does. It could. And then some journalist out of nowhere, some opinion writer, writes this story that we house and skin baby seals in the basement uh, of each of our houses. Who the who? If anyone reads that in the newspaper, they're going to be like, "Look at these baby seal killers! Why do these guys have baby seals in their basement?" But they wouldn't go fact check. They'd just be like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, That's it's, true. It's what's happening. And then it would go from like baby seals to like humans. We were flat earthers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we didn't believe in a flat earth. That's what, that's what our... Uh, oh, yeah. We're going to be made fun of for. I'm a big turtle earther though, so Ooh. go look that up, people. It's true. It's a true thing. So I've got a little COVID-19 isolation story. Uh-oh. Pandemic. So you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I shouldn't look at myself in the mirror right now seven weeks in because I, A, I don't have a haircut, beard scraggly, just I have one eyebrow now. So when you, I went in there and I was like, I need to freshen up. So I got Mrs. Biff, give me a haircut. Legit. It doesn't even matter. I told her, I said, if anybody's seen Thor Ragnarok, you know, when they cut his hair, like I said, I don't even care if there's like some sort of lightning bolt cutting my head. I just want it short. <laughs> so we did that. But after that, I went in the mirror and I was like, I got to trim my beard. And then like when you trim your beard, you're like, oh, you know, let me, uh, let me trim my nose hairs. It's been a while. So trim the beard. I'm like, God, there's this long hair. And I'm like doing this. And so I look in the mirror and I pull my nose up and the, this hair that this hair was so long, it was out of my nose that blended into my mustache. Now I pulled it up and I was like, Oh my God, that's, (laughs) that's a nose hair. And I felt really uncomfortable and I trimmed it off right there. You felt like a grandpa. Felt like weird, like weird old grandpa. Yeah. Like you just forgot that you had, uh, these nose hairs that were, yeah. You know it's bad, and you know you haven't gone in public in a long time when your nose hair blends in with your mustache. <laughs> so I hope you're like I knew something was tickling me. Yeah, and I it just <laughs> it was me. I'm tickling my own. Self. I can't be the only one. If any of you out there that are listening, I hope this has happened to you because let let me tell you, I'm with you. Someone else has experienced this. Yeah. You're not alone. Like, comment, and share.
And that concludes my isolation story for this podcast. Nice. No one looks better than I. Glasses by crew like several guys. Glasses by crew, I got several eyes. They can't follow suit, I'm severing ties. I know not like a veteran with ties. To rock with that there, I got bigger fish to fry. I'm pescatarian and never settling. They knock in my jacket, I never let them in. Underdog, we known to get it in. Say it loud, there's no forgetting him. A whole lot of space while I live. My shoe closet like a whole nother crib. Glass of kicks, I, I got a man from you like it too. There was one that got you. That's pretty dope. Yeah. You were like, ooh, I like that one. You remember which one it was? Yo, pescatarian. Hell yeah. That was good. That was good. I like fish myself. Because I can't go to Pesh right now, so it reminded me of Pesh. And now I really want Pesh. That's true. That's, that'll get you every time. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it's, it's, it's your deal now. What I. What I neglected to mention at the beginning of this podcast this was supposed to be our crazy insane themed podcast uh i thought mine was crazy insane because they believe lala Ree was uh, you know a crazy woman who was torturing people uh, yeah insane I, the way this was you know so you got a, a good insane in the membrane yeah. story i would say that your story depicts someone who is crazy and insane if it were true that you put you held people in your basement slaves in general or what or it doesn't even matter whatever and you chained them up and you killed them f the the word that stood out to me was fillet cheese and pizza sounds terrible. that's crazy <laughs> i fillet people uh <laughs> but this um this story's a little it's a different sort of crazy insane so we're like going stephen king crazy. it's a little it it kind of is because it, there's always this like wonder of what happened to get to this point. You know, there's a, a Stephen King's always got these weird twists. This was, it's not really a weird twist, but I think if, when you look back at it and you listen to what I have to say, you're going to be like, what made it, what made it happen like this? Why did people tell these stories about this certain family? So what I'm going to talk about is a family called the orchard family. There is a house in New Orleans. And they were, I'm not going to say they were one of the first families to live in Lakeview, New Orleans, but they, I'm not sure when that neighborhood was established, but back in 19, 1900s, early 1900s, it was sort of designated as the farm area of New Orleans, like way outskirts. It was at the northwest part of Orleans Parish. So not a lot of houses, a lot of land, a couple houses. So the dad built this house out in Lakeview on Twiggs and Milne Street. And if you don't know what Twig Street is, that's because it was changed to Porteous. Oh, okay. So back then it was named Twig Street. So he built this house entirely out of stone in this image of an old London home. And it really like caught the lore of this neighborhood because every no, nothing looked like that. Uh, this was this was a stone and brick house. Every other house was made of wood, and people said it had a castle feel to it. So a London house castle feel. So it had to look some like at least one tower to it, looking ish. No, sadly, disappointed. 
I think just because it was no one built things with stone back then. Right. Like right. that's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, we're gonna build a log cabin over here. No. So now it's been said that this the family inside this house was haunted, but it was they were it was said to be haunted because the public misunderstood them. Kind of sounds like the same. And I people, I'm telling you, Knock and I did not discuss our stories beforehand. And it's just kind of a weird coincidence that LaLaurie was misunderstood by public perception due to journalism. This family was misunderstood by the public just because the family was kind of introverts. They didn't do a lot. Uh, most of the family didn't do a lot outside the house. So people started making up stories about them. I cannot tell you how many people are like, oh, I don't trust a person who can't drink. Oh, I don't trust a person who doesn't do this in public. Yeah. Oh, I don't trust a person, you know. Right. I've heard that all the time. <laughs> about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know why I trust you. You're within six feet of me, so. <laughs> so the reason this house was built of stone and brick is because the dad was afraid of fire. So none of this house was constructed in wood. And he got some people to help him. Fair enough. So instead, he builds this house brick and marble, cemented together. You got stone. It's reinforced with metal cut from old automobiles. Um, it featured these double walls that trapped air in the space that would keep it cool in the summer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and warm in the winter. Mm -hmm. From old auto parts, though? Like, you just went to... The junkyard and like picked up some scrap metal and hell you got any old pots at yeah yeah <laughs> i got mr orchard over here looking for a few bumpers for his front yard he's gonna make a garden let me tell you what i'm gonna sell you 10 bumpers for five dollars <laughs> i assume it was five i mean look yeah, yeah. back in 1925 yeah, sure. Who knew? Sure. Uh, so the weird the crazy thing is <laughs> All the walls were reinforced with steel and well, from the automobiles. And then all the doors, this is the cr crazy part. All the doors in the house could be bolted if needed. So bedroom doors, kitchen, whatever. Bolt. Anything could be bolted. Okay, wow. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show knock and we can put this on our face is a picture of said house. When the dad, when he built it, he was originally going to sell it, but then he decided to move in. It looks so pretty. I want to move in. Okay. That doesn't look much different from a, a regular New Orleans right, it's house. Just a, yeah. It's just stone. It's just, of, okay. So it's, it's got a few columns in the front. It's got a big, big porch. Uh, it looks like the first floor could just be, you know, where people have apartments now pretty much. Right. And yes. the second floor and the third floor look like where people have their shotgun houses. It looks like a shotgun house uh, where it has, uh, you know, ceilings that go to the second floor. I'm sorry, stairs that go to the second floor. And uh, the bottom is kind of like a basement. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't look like a castle house. No. It's just made of stone. Okay, it cool. was, But it was a very big house. Okay, cool. It was on a, a lot. And yeah, it looks, for that day, it looks big. It looks big. For that day, it was a big house. Yeah. And it stood out. It's still big looking. So... Soon, Paul's like, all right, I don't want to sell it. I want to move in. So he moves in with his elderly mother, three children. He had an older son, Paul, Paul Jr., 
the man's name, I think I've said that was Paul Orchard. Pardon, okay. He had Paul Orchard Jr. Say that five times fast. Paul Orchard. Rebecca was a middle daughter and Martha was the youngest daughter. Mm. But guess what? I didn't tell you there was a wife, did I? No, you didn't. Where is she? But here she comes. Oh, gosh. Ex-wife. Oh. Trouble. Three years later. I'm assuming like 1929, 1930. Okay. She comes in. Ex-wife named Lucy. She's a former socialite from Richmond, Virginia. So in today's age, she'd be a real housewife of Virginia. Something like that. I'm not saying she'd be a housewife. What I mean is socialite, out in very extravagant, rich lifestyle, always in the crowd, always... Junior league. Yeah. (laughs) After their divorce, which is obviously prior to that, she claimed that he disappeared with the children. He said she disappeared first. So these accusations went back and forth, and it brought about a very public custody custody battle when guess what the newspapers got into the papers oh yeah oh my gosh so this just went back and forth lucy claimed she followed the husband in pursuit which led her through the west indies through canada and throughout the greater United States. It sounds like she was just going on some trips. And I can just see the reporter going, tell me more. <laughs> I don't care if it's not true. This is great. It just sounds like she was going globetrotting. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I was following them. Sounds like she took a train or a plane a lot of places. <laughs> uh, so anyway, to get to the crazy part, yeah. by 1933, she lost custody to the kids she went back to Virginia. So Paul's got the kids. Paul's got the kids okay. full custody with his with his mom at the house. I hope they're okay. So she went back to Virginia by 1933. So roughly four, three, four years later, she was committed to the Virginia State Hospital for manic depression. The mom for manic was. Depress- the mom was. Oh, boy. Manic okay. depression, a.k.a. bipolar disorder. And that's where she would die. 38 years later. Wow. Stayed there. It's so that's so frightening. It's crazy. Over the years, decades, even in New Orleans, the Orchard family would earn this reputation as a bunch of odd ducks. They dressed in the old timey clothing, even though it was like 1960. They still dressed like they were like Babe Ruth playing baseball in 1920. Oh, you know, like I don't know what the pants are called, like the suspension. Right, right. So it's said that the youngest child, Martha, she fit in the best. She attended Sophie B. Wright okay. here in New Orleans. She was voted the brightest and most bashful. And she went and attended Newcomb College, which, fun fact, was a coordinates woman college of Tulane. Okay. And it was the first coordinate woman's college in the United States. So that was Tulane's woman's college. Yes. But mm-hmm. after Katrina... Mm-hmm. which a lot of things didn't come back after Katrina. Right, Hurricane that. Katrina, excuse me. Uh-huh. Um, Tulane did a revamping of funds and whatever they need, and that was one of the things that was squashed. <laughs> the middle child, Rebecca, we're going through the family now. Middle child, Rebecca, she was developmentally disabled, and it was said she used to follow the younger sister around 
like a puppy, which I think is terrible to say like that. She just maybe liked her old, her youngest sister and wanted to hang out with her sister. Uh, but it gets to a point where like you're being creepy now. You yeah, have be, to have your own life. But if you do that in public, and you people always see that, they're gonna start saying that. Oh, this I've never seen her alone. She's always with her sister. But one of the things that was said is that Rebecca, when she was a teenager, went missing one night, and she was found by the police undressed by the riverfront and it was said after that she hardly spoke a word to anybody becky so you're talking about like traumatic yeah something deal we don't know what happened poor thing and uh so she never she hardly spoke at all i guess except to the family around 1947 we're talking about now we're talking about paul jr okay the the older brother yeah he would be committed to a state asylum in Jackson, Louisiana. Ooh, didn't fall fall from the tree, huh? That is in, if anyone wants to know, East Feliciana Parish, which is north of Baton Rouge. It borders Mississippi, yeah. I believe. Yes. yes. So there's different reports. It says the stress over the breakout of the Second World War pushed him over the edge. I'm not sure if he... Uh, went to war if he was going to be drafted. Uh, he began to have fits of temper and he made improper advances towards his younger sisters. Oh. And his mind and his moods became very unpredictable. Kind of sounds like he inherited something from his mama. Bipolarness. Um, and also, but it also said he he held a job as an electrician in New Orleans. I don't know how long that lasted, but obviously by 1947, he was in the state mental hospital or state asylum, which they don't have asylums anymore in the United States. I don't know okay. if you knew that. No, I didn't. I didn't. They're called mental health facilities. Okay. That's but they don't, funny. asylum is like when you see horror movies about, right. they don't have that anymore. Like Arkham Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Batman. <laughs> I see a light that's. It's in the air. It's, they're calling for Sidney D. It's his <laughs> silhouette. Uh, so over the years, uh, all this happens. So now it's just Paul Sr.'s mom has passed. She was elderly when they moved in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ex-wife is in a mental facility. His oldest son is in a mental facility. And now it's him and his two daughters, Martha and Rebecca. So the house began began to decay around them. Um, It wasn't as good looking as it was in that picture I showed you. They started to have vines and stuff grow on the side of the house. So they can do that quickly in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Five years and your house is taking over. And it went from like castle to like hassle. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Castle to hassle. Except for it wasn't a hassle for the old man because he was just like, screw it. I don't care. Let the stuff grow. <laughs> so no longer did it look like a palace. Um, so now this is like an attraction. It, it, it's the now Lakeview's being built up. There's a bunch of old wooden houses being built up. Uh, and this is the only stone big house in the area. So, of course, it's got vines growing on it. Now people are like, who lives there? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. So people are passing stories down. And we did this when we were kids. We had mm-hmm. stories about houses like, oh, don't go near the steps. Or, you know, some stuff that you hear that's passed down through kids. And So these teenagers 
throughout the southwest region of the, of Louisiana. They used to visit the house at night. They used to holler at it. They used to throw rocks at the house, break windows with the rocks. And they would ridicule the sisters of being witches of the haunted house. Oh, geez. And even, obviously, you're going to ridicule the sisters of being witches. Guess what was a big attraction on Halloween night, New Orleans? This house. Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. So what was crazy was the dad would never press charges. What he would do is just repair the windows. And he would just eventually teach his daughters how to repair the windows. I guess he just didn't want to deal with the public and just, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. We're fast forwarding after. This is going on through like a couple right. decades. It's the old the, house that nobody ever comes out of. Just rock. He's replaced. Who knows how much money he spent on windows at this yeah. point, which is yeah. crazy. Should clean up vines. This guy, <laughs> this guy died on around Christmas of 1973. Paul did. A year later, Christmas Eve, 1974. Representatives of St. Luke's United Methodist Church on Canal Boulevard, mm -hmm. which is not too, it's a, I'd say a half mile probably from where this house was, maybe a little bit more, between a half mile and a mile. They noticed that they haven't seen the sisters in a week. Said so Martha was very active at the church. She would be there at least, if not every night of the week, every other night of the week. Um, so guess what the reps did? They went, they they went to the house. They checked this shit out. When no one answered the door, the police were called. And according to newspaper reports, when they finally... Uh, uh, one thing I read was that one of the ministers... This is kind of funny. One of the ministers picked the lock. You oh, know? Hey. It's like, hey, how do you know that skill there, hey, boss? Hey. <laughs> so I do it to the church. Oh, I know. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, so he, yeah, so he picked the lock, they went in and the house was filthy. It smelled like rotting food and cat urine. Ooh. Cat urine is very specific, yeah. uh, smell. I think, I don't know how you pick that out of a urine smell. I don't smell a lot of urines. You, if you've been to Wits Inn, you've smelled cat urine. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and in there, they go up the stairs they find Rebecca, the development, developmentally disabled Rebecca, sitting on the bed, mumbling to herself. And in the room, they look on the side. I'm not going to say it's on the side of the bed. It's somewhere in the room where they couldn't see where the bed was. So as they walked into it further, they found Martha's body on the floor. Oh, wow. And rats had reportedly chewed one of the ears off or one of her ears, at one of her ears, and the tips of the fingers on one hand. So there's no telling how long. And to not to to nothing at the fault of Rebecca, I don't think she knew what to do. Right. And there's no telling how long. that She could have sat there for days. Yeah, geez. She didn't know who to go to. She followed right. Martha around all the time. So after this that- poor family, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. After that, Rebecca was sent to a mental hospital <sighs> in Mandeville. Okay. And she passed away in 2003. And that used to be a mental health facility. Um, it wasn't called, I, I might have, no, it wasn't called a mental health facility. It was some for the mentally challenged. And then they finally got regulated. And it's called like North Lake 
medical facility or something like that where right. actual doctors they treat them and well, so this family cr- was haunted dude it's crazy i mean it's sad but yeah. it's nuts so the coroner came in he ruled that martha died of natural causes but a journalist made a headline in the newspaper oh, that man. said starvation in a haunted house and this is very true because i've seen the headline you can find it online yeah. well and you th- could say that you know rebecca was starving that's true but they said and they said that martha's body was emaciated oh. um, so there's no telling like what went on so the public this is when the public rage started not like angry rage like we gotta find out what's going on in this place right. no one's there anymore right no one's there oh, it's just geez. sitting there oh gosh so the public starts turning up at the house they start breaking windows kicking in doors looting people ran in and out and just I'm not gonna say they ransacked it. I think they just did whatever they could to say they got in that house, you know. So three months later, after all this stuff, they decided the house should come down. And in spring of 1975, it was demolished. And however, it became known as the haunted house of Lakeview. So let's go through this. For almost 50 years, this house stood on Twigs and Porteous, same street, and Milney. Twigs, Porteous, Twigs slash Porteous and Milney. So you had accusations of kidnapping. Wow. You had a public custody battle. You had three family members get admitted to mental institutions. And you had a withered body gnawed by rats. But guess what? That's the end of the story. Oh. But there's a Facebook page about it. Uh, what? And it's got over 750 members. Very nice. So you guys can look this up if you're listening. Okay. It's called The Haunted House of Lakeview slash The Orchard Family. Okay. So I'm going to read you a recollection of one of the stories. that. Oh. So this basically this Facebook, it invites people to say if they've known the family, they had stories about. Uh, going to the house. I hope no one would write a story that, yeah, we went in and we kicked the shit out of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, Sir, we don't need those stories. We need... <laughs> right. So here's the story. And I'll just, I'll sell her name because she, she put her name out there. Yeah. All right. Judy Harold Berto. Okay. This is her story. Full quotes. I'm giving her recognition. One Saturday, I picked up several girlfriends in my car that my dad let me use and headed for Lakeview. One place we always liked to ride past was the orchard home because it was so spooky looking. That day we passed driving real slow and straining to see in the garage when out runs one of the sisters. Could you imagine like pitch black trying to look in a garage and then out just something comes running at you. (laughs) (laughs) So she said, she said, I believe, I believe it was Martha, but I'm not sure. She said she was a little scary looking. So I stopped the car and she came up to my window and we, And all of my friends, we said, hi, we told her we loved her house and she was pleased. We could also see that she wasn't mentally right, but she asked if he wanted to come in and being that we told her we liked her place. 
So being a bunch of foolish teens, we said, yes, we'd love to. So I parked the car and even as nervous as we were, we followed her into the garage and on the right side, we went up the steps. All along, I was thinking this might not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So she's saying she got brought in. Yeah, the, sister. One of the, Martha, the youngest sister, wow. what she's saying, asked them to come in the house and they said, sure, we're out for a joy ride. Why not? <laughs> so <clears throat> we followed her into the kitchen, which was dimly lit, musty smelling and messy. There were tons of newspapers stacked all along the walls, almost to the ceiling. It was so cluttered. We only had a trail to walk past bags and boxes of junk. It was so gloomy and I was getting more nervous. So obviously not a lot of light was shining right. in this house. Uh, we complimented her on everything. Like it is so nice in here. And we were asking her questions about the house. I guess they were like, Oh my God, it's so nice in here. <laughs> this house is so cool. Is when this? can we leave? So she said, she led us into a small room that had steps leading upstairs, which that's kind of creepy as well. Here's yeah. a small room. Like, if you remember like Willy Wonka, where they go into the small door and then it opens mm. up into a big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, several, several mirrors were on the wall and all of them were cracked. And when we asked her why all the mirrors were cracked, she said her sister did that because she did not like looking at herself. So this house has a bunch of cracked mirrors in it. Wow. And the dad just did nothing about it. And they said, oh, where is your sister? We asked. Oh, she said she she's upstairs playing in the bathtub. We could hear noise coming up from there and there were watermarks on the ceiling. So knowing both of them were mentally not right because of the way they dressed, like I said, and acted when walking around Lakeview and going to the little groceries and asking for old canned foods and anything that was free. But I said, time to go as as no one knew we were there and it was best to leave. And she said, yes, this house was like out of a horror movie and I did feel sorry for them, but I was a nervous wreck. We all started walking pretty fast because I was leading. But as we left, we all thanked we all thanked her over and over. Like, thank you so much. Just got to leave. Got to go. Bye. Got to go. Bye. Bye. Oh, your sister's taking a bath. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Let's get the hell out of here. We got to get out of here. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, how all the, all the mirrors are cracked. And and not just that story from her. I read a bunch of stuff on this Facebook page about and it was confirmed people yeah people were like yeah i went in that house when i was little with my dad or whoever and there were newspapers stacked in the rooms like this is like and, and the only thing i'm thinking about and that's kind of the end of the story and it's crazy and i i brought it up because of the you know we were talking about some crazy i don't know if it was insane but three three people get committed to a mental institution in your family that's pretty nuts yeah the crazy thing to me is what happened indoors like you see these people outdoors and you're like yeah they dress kind of weird and yeah we're gonna make up stories that the house is haunted but obviously something happened to where the mom went nuts like i don't know if the dad mom and dad were fighting all the time sounds like it if if it, the stories were true that they had to go all around to find mm -hmm. where these this family was and what did the dad do inside the house that made these people crazy and not want to hang out. Probably didn't clean. <laughs> yeah, but he probably was like, no, you're not going anywhere. No, you're oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So it leads like a weird Possessive. speculative. Like, yeah, it's right. it's a it leaves a lot of speculation as to. 
you feel very sad. It's a terrible situation. But what led it to that point? And we know that obviously it wasn't it, cleanliness was not an option, but right. Uh, crazy stuff. So if you'd like to, um, yeah, visit that Facebook page. It's it's uh, a lot of entries have been from I think it was started in 2013, uh, started to pick back up 2017, 2018. Some guy on there was wanted to write a book about it because it was so fascinating. People on there were saying this should be a movie and all. So. Um, and then one tidbit though, when I said that the, when Martha, um, after Martha passed and, uh, her sister Rebecca was sent to Mandeville, my dad told me that as a kid, cause I asked him about it. I was like, did you ever go by this house? I mean, you were around, you were at Tulane at the time as what a student. He said, no, I can't really remember. But he told me that, uh, when they were kids, it, one of the sayings was, if you keep acting all crazy, we're going to send you to Mandeville. Ooh. <laughs> so that's what a Mandeville mental health mental facility is. Yes. yes. So that's my story. Beautiful. I like it because it's local, it's true. Maybe not like, you know, this is some people's recollections, but the newspaper thing did it for me with the trueness, solidified with the location. And fun fact, there was a guy on the Facebook page that said, hey, my name's so-and-so, and I live at this location now, and I've heard nothing about this story. But it, he remember, the house was demolished. There's a new house on this lot. So some of the people on the Facebook page responded. They're like, do you get any haunted spirits that come get you? And he said, no, nothing of the sort. But I checked yesterday. And the house is pending for sale. So bad boys leaving and someone else is going to enter it. So we'll see what the rest of 2020 brings thank you nola.times pickyune.com advocate i don't know sounds like you're bipolar you need to figure out what you're called um, it wasn't just them. It wasn't just them. There's a there was other stuff. We have a we have a the morning Tribune in Orleans that shows a title, and I'll tell you, it says New Orleans Wednesday morning, December fourteenth, nineteen whatever. It's kind of hard to read. Mother finds kidnapped children in city. Terrible situation, but. They got a bunch of newspaper stuff to back it up. I'm not going to say all the haunted stuff is true, but there was truly something not right uh, with that family. And it all starts with the parents. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you the story of General Benjamin Butler. He is the most hated man in New Orleans history. 
General Benjamin Butler. He was also known as the Beast. Yes. Not the Beast from the East? Not the Beast from the East. Uh, He was actually the Beast from the North. So is that like Beast as in like, dude was beastly? Uh, Yeah, he was pretty beastly looking too, uh, according to people. I'm getting uh, some information here from a book called Great Characters of New Orleans by Mel Leave it. I'm also getting some uh, information from a Women in New Orleans book uh, that was uh, written by Mary Jeeman and Nancy Reese. Okay. I have some information from John Take It. John Take It, what? Yeah. John well, you have, you have information from Mel Leave It, so I have information from John Take It. <laughs> so we're going to get our information from Take It or Leave It. <laughs> well, Leave It said that Butler was the vilest of scum. And Cliff, I know, I know you wish that General General Butler wasn't around so that Latoya or that other mayor you don't like could be the most hated person in New Orleans. But it's not. It's really not. This is history, folks. It's refreshing to to find out that <clears throat> someone other than a mayor would be the most hated person in New Orleans. Right. Mr. Butler was known as uh, also known as Spoons. Don't ask me why. On May 1st, 1862, he arrived in New Orleans with an occupying army of 18,000 federal troops, and he stayed seven months and two weeks to rule the city. And at that time, there were about 350,000 people living in New Orleans. Dang. Yeah, it's a lot of people. So this is what Butler was quoted as saying, quote, New Orleans is a conquered city, conquered by the forces of the United States, and subject to the will of the conqueror. So he's already coming into New Orleans and telling the people of New Orleans, uh, hey, you lost the war. Uh, I am the Iron Hand coming down to smack you. He began by hanging a gambler. In the square? Yes. Yes. So the gambler tried, uh, well, he didn't try, uh, William Mumford, he tore down the Union flag from the United States Mint. Uh, and so. Uh, Wait, the Mumford and Sons are that old? Yeah. Yes. Jeez. Butler just... had him hang. Then the mayor uh, was saying he was trying to negotiate. So Mayor John T. Monroe of New Orleans was trying to negotiate with Butler, and he threw him in prison. Butler didn't, didn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear from you, man. In prison. What a beast. All right, Butler came from Massachusetts. He was twice beaten for governor. So you know he's already come with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, People say he had a gross physical appearance. Uh, He had a cock eye. And he made a great round pudding, look like. Yeah. Gross. Okay. So he's angry because he just... He's not a northerner coming down to New Orleans after the Civil War. And he's like, I'm shaping all of these folks up. So, you know, he, he hanged the guy from tearing down the Union flag. Uh, threw the mayor in jail. Now he's going after the newspapers. And he uh, shut down two newspaper publishers for calling them offensive. And then they quietly disappeared. Hmm. So my man was a beast. He attacked clergymen as well. When a, uh Episcopal clergyman failed to attend... The Union Funeral Service, General Butler replaced its rector and vestrymen with his own officers. 
So, oh. yeah. So if they didn't come to a Union soldier's funeral, he would say, okay, you don't want to do this anymore. I'll get someone else in here who does. But what Mr. Butler is known for the most is his woman order in 1862. So the Union soldiers, or federal soldiers, uh, were in New Orleans, and no one hated them more than the women of New Orleans. So when they'd come walking by, they would sing the Southern soldiers' songs to them, and they would spit on them. Uh, they would wait for them to be walking underneath their balcony and maybe tip their bedpan over. Ooh. At the same time, they'd be walking there. Uh, they might, uh, you know, flip them off or, you know, show them their rear end or, you know, whatever. Booty show. Butler is pissed. He's saying that his troops are being disrespected by women, so this is what he says. And this is the woman order. Quote, As the officers and soldiers of the United States have been subject to repeated insults from the women, calling themselves ladies, in parentheses, of New Orleans, and return for the most scrupulous non-interference and courtesy on our part, it is ordered that hereafter, when any female shall by word, gesture, or movement insult or show contempt for any officer or soldier of the United States, they shall be regarded and held liable to be treated as a woman of the town plying her vocation. They were going to be treated as prostitutes and thrown in jail if they disrespected a Union troop. Jeez, it sounds like he didn't like when they sashayed by. He did not like sashaying the law. I found out why they call them spoons. Why? Because when he would commandeer any home that he wanted to stay in, he'd steal the silverware. Oh my! Let's talk about freaking. That's not beastly. That's just. It's just mean. Yeah. Just mean. So gank and spoons. He was put into this position by Lincoln. Okay, and by the end of his time, uh, Lincoln had to, you know, rip him out of, uh, he said, flagrant disregard of international law uh, because the women were so pissed uh, because, you know, free speech, right? I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. You can't just throw me in jail, call me a prostitute. So, yeah, they got thrown in jail for the night, $5. You had to get out. You are a prostitute. See, that comes back to my deal when I talk about, like, people doing things back then and try like how f- not fast word traveled back then so he probably thought that i could come down here i can do whatever i want mm-hmm. and by the time the word gets out i'm gonna be out of here yep and it just traveled a little bit faster than he thought it would but still, he came down here and was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take your spoons. I'm going to take your spoons. Uh, it said that women in the red district, you know story, Bill, right? They uh, Oh, those are TLC, red light district. No, no. They uh, plastered Butler's pictures inside their chamber pots. So they, they peed oh, on they his pooped, face. Oh, they pooped on him. They pooped him. and peed on him. Uh, Classic. <laughs> That's great. It's just great that it happened that long ago. And we still do that today. So one lady who did defy Butler, she wore a secession flag and walked down the street. She caused nearly a riot. This is uh, Anne 
LaRue. Anne LaRue was then taken by Butler's troops and sent to Ship Island. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, solitary confinement. All right. And then Miss Philip Phillips, she laughed loudly at the funeral procession of a Yankee officer beneath her balcony. She was also sent to Ship Island. Dang. So they had jail on Ship Island? Or just, just like, we're going to send the island. That's that's your solitary that's, confinement. That's your solitary confinement. You just got to yeah. find food yeah. or you die. Later. Yeah. No, there was probably a little, like, prison there. I mean, how, what else are they going to do? Swim back to shore? That's it. I mean, it's not going to be much of a prison. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. So, as I said, uh, you know, it didn't take long for Butler was uh, thrown out. Uh, but Butler did have a good comeback, okay, before he got let out of town. Uh, these angry New Orleans women, when they saw Butler, they would turn their backs toward him. You know, oh, and turn but, turn the other cheek. Yeah, turn the other cheek. So Butler is remarked as saying, "Those women know which end of them looks best." Oh, boom, pimp daddy. He's got butt in his name, so he knows about so, it. Yeah. So just imagine uh, a woman today down Bourbon Street. You know how many times a police officer is accosted by anyone? male or female on yeah. Bourbon Street they would be labeled as a prostitute and thrown in jail for if it was the, the this period in 1862 he was shipped out Christmas Eve it was a Christmas Day present for everyone on 1862 see again this is very I'm telling folks listening this is very odd my story had Christmas Eve in it Knox's story had Christmas Eve in it we didn't collaborate just saying. So the most hated man in New Orleans history, his name was General Benjamin Butler, the beast who stole spoons out of people's houses. Yeah, what a piece of shizer. And I mean, he didn't like ladies with his cockeyed pudding belly. So what I need to do, so what we need to tell everyone, if you don't like what the leader of the city says, just turn your ass to him. That's what <laughs> I've, that's exact. I mean... That's what I've learned from this. Yes. Don't show your ass. No, don't show it. Just turn. Just turn it. Turn it. Show that cheek <laughs> and start twerking because Big Frida would be proud. <sighs> well, we hope to get Lynn back, uh, but this has been the Brackish Podcast, and uh, we're going to, there's trying times that we have right now, but we're going to try and keep bringing you great stories. Uh, we're almost on our year anniversary of the cast. Yeah, uh, the first one was July 4th, so we're about a month and a half out. And this is episode 19, I believe, so 20. I we'll think. get to 20. We'll probably get to 2022. 20, mm-hmm. Before the year uh, celebration, but we're definitely going to have to have a, a yearly celebration. Yeah. If you'd like to contact us, we're on many platforms. We're on Facebook, the Brackish Podcast. We're on Instagram at uh, the underscore Brackish underscore podcast underscore. We're on Twitter at Brackish Podcast. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Radio.com. Uh, and if you want to find us on Gmail, you can 
Uh, what is it? The Brackish Podcast. At the Brackish Podcast at gmail.com. Send us stuff. Yeah. We, we look. We, we're not running out of stories. When's the last time you checked that? I haven't checked. What? Oh, I've had it. pops up all the time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but if you guys have any stories that we haven't told, we'd love to tell them. Yep. If and you want to come, if you want to come on and tell it. Yeah. If you're famous them. enough, Sydney Torres, and you want to come on our show and tell your story. Or a story about a New Orleans legend, John Lafitte. Who else? You know, yeah. Swamp Honey Island Swamp Monster. Any local famous people, mm-hmm. Master P. Like, ooh, Master P would be great. Big know, Frida, if you want to come on and tell your yeah, story, I'd love to talk to Big Frida. Um, you know, we we enjoy that. Yeah, we've got plenty of booze. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just we're here for the party. Uh, we're here to tell stories. We're here to keep people entertained. And if uh, we'd like you to join us, if you want to do that, if not, we'd like our listeners just to keep joining us and keep listening to fun, real, sometimes not true, sometimes true stories. (laughs) Always. But they're stories of New Orleans, though, so. And you can't go to the city now and get these new stories, you know? Social distancing, things like that. So we're bringing you the stories that you already love. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, starting soon is the is this phase one deal. By the time you guys hear this, we'll be in phase one, and that's like 25% capacity of whatever businesses. It's going to be a, a a little a long trek before we hit the 100% capacity. So. Mm-hmm. Feel free to give a give us a listen. Yeah, share, like, comment. We'll be around. Tell your friends. Tell your brackish uncle. Yeah. Your brackish ass uncle.